the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. In the book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 45, I think you get most of the theme of the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This is Exploring the Word. Bert Harper, Alex McFarlane with you today. And we're starting the book of Mark as we study. We finished Proverbs, but now we move to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Mark. It's the shortest of the Gospels, 16 chapters. And just let me share with you. I, I want to share this. Uh, you know, I'm looking for repeated words. It's according to which version you have, but I use the New King James. So the word immediately is used 42 times in the Gospel of Mark. Now, why would I say that? Because the writer of Mark, John Mark, moves through it quickly to prove to us that Jesus Christ is the servant and redeemer, and we need to trust him. Alex, the book of Mark, I, I love it. It's action-packed. If you want if you want one of the Gospels that I would say is action-packed, just one thing after another, uh, the book of Mark is it. Amen. Amen. Well, Bert, it's great to be with you, and it's just really a blessing to have everybody listening as we begin a new week of exploring the Word and a new book. And um, have you ever heard that Mark may have been written for Roman uh, readers, you know, just yeah. like Matthew, it seems aimed at Jewish readers. Right. I, Bert, I've always, in evangelism and discipleship, I've loved to have new believers read the Gospel of Mark. And um, it's thought to be the first Gospel written. Have you ever heard, uh, sometimes if you're reading in a commentary, uh, they'll talk about Markan priority. Right. Me- me- meaning that, like, the Gospel of Mark may have been the first one, but I mean, it's profound, and Bert, I think it's simple. Now, by simple, I don't mean not complex or not profound, but it's accessible. I mean, I've found people of all ages, people of all strata can read the Gospel of Mark, and they clearly see Jesus. And yes. uh, just as the original readers might have been Romans with not a lot of background about uh, the Jewish world and knowing the true and living God. I really think the Gospel of Mark is especially effective for evangelism and discipleship in our own times. I would agree. And speaking of it being Roman, Gentile, very pragmatic, it's interesting that John Mark is probably the writer, but Mm -hmm. probably his main source may have been Peter. Uh, You know, Peter was Barnabas's cousin. We find that in Colossians. We also find out that it was at John Mark's house when Peter was released from prison and he goes, knocks on the door is probably John Mark's mother's home where they would find him. And they, most folks believe he is the primary source because in the book of first Peter five thirteen, Peter writes, Amen. Mark, my son. And so, yeah. but isn't that interesting? Let me just say Peter, <laughs> a, a Gentile, I mean, he didn't want to eat that unclean food. Even after God told him what he had cleaned, he had cleaned, you know, yeah, would yeah. write the gospel that is intended toward Roman and Gentile thought. I, that's, isn't that God? Isn't well, that, that, God? that is the Lord. And, you know, you mentioned the first Peter five thirteen. I was going to bring that up because, um, you all probably know I have loved and studied First and Second Peter. In fact, I'll be doing Second Peter at the Cove this summer, and I've I've spent maybe about as much as any other New Testament book. I've really studied First and Second Peter, and when First Peter five thirteen contains these these words, "Mark my son," just like Paul would refer to Timothy that way. Um, could it be Peter led Mark to Christ? I believe that's right. I believe it with all my heart that he did. And, and you read John, Mark, and how quickly they go through it. It sounds Petorian. It sounds like Peter. Uh, it yes. really does. And so I Good think word. that is the word. And it also concentrates two more things as I was looking at the 
Uh, I, I do believe it was the first one. Matthew is second. Now, probably. But we know Luke and John were the third and fourth. So there's yes. a little bit of debate, Matthew first or Mark first. But I, I think Mark may have been first. And it concentrates on the Galilean ministry, uh, the northern. Uh, you know, it, and that covers Judean ministry in the last. But it, it's primarily about Jesus' ministry in the northern part province there. And the other thing I found out, and I, I did not know this, I was researching it, Mark only has 7% of the things he relates as unique to him. Uh, now, John has more 56% of the stuff that John tells you is not found in the other three Gospels. But Mark's is 7%. That makes me think it was the first. In other words, uh, when Matthew and Luke, Luke definitely, I believe, knew about Mark's writings and Matthew's writings because the way he words about setting in order these things, you know, Alex. Mm -hmm. And so uh, 7% of Mark is unique to him. Uh, right. The uh, Matthew and, and Luke cover a lot of that that he does as well. But he gives us perspective that the others don't, and that's unique about each one of these. You was talking about how he concentrates on Jesus' servanthood and being the Redeemer. It's each one of them unique in their, I, I would say, in their presentation and the things they bring about, like the woman with the issue of blood. When right. when Mark reports it, he says, she said, he, she spent all of her living going to physicians and got no better. Uh, you, yeah, you catch yeah. that little bit of a, I, I don't say it's a phrase, but uh, not sarcasm, but he lets you know in on some of the things that were unique to Mark. Yeah, e exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, in Mark chapter 1, like in John, you get uh, introduced to John the Baptist. But let me begin to read this because I'm sure most people know this, but the first four books of the New Testament are biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're designed to introduce us to the Son of God, who is the Savior of the world. But Mark begins, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now, we know when we hear that, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, only one person is described that way, and that's John the Baptist, isn't it? It is. And and so the first eight verses introduces us to that. Uh, Mark doesn't cover the birth of Christ. He starts right in with the ministry, but part of that ministry was the forerunner, as you said, John the Baptist. And then look at verse 4. It says, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission mm -hmm. of sins. Now, hey, you know, before you can really get right with God, what's the first thing you do? You got to repent. You got to turn from your way and your sin and say, God, I'm tired of my way. I confess it. It was wrong. And I turn to you. Well, isn't that interesting that he would start off John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Jesus, you know, that would say, I'm not worthy of even unlatching his sandals, uh, that repentance is his message repent Amen. for the kingdom of heaven is hand which is the i, I don't want to say the forerunner it's a part of salvation but in a way you catch what i'm saying when i say it's yes. the forerunner of getting right with god Amen. Bert, did you ever see that little plaque? And it it said, if you're going the wrong direction, God allows U-turns. <laughs> yes. Uh, amen. See, that that's repentance, isn't it? It is. To turn, turn around, go the opposite way. And in verse 4 there, repentance, that means to turn from sin to Christ for the remission of sin. Now, to remit something, it gets taken away. Uh, it gets sent off. Really, it, you might see a bill in the mail, and it'll say, please remit right. within 30 days. All right, when you remit, something that was in your hands is taken to somewhere else. Now, we had sin, but when our sins are remitted, they're put on Jesus, and they're taken away. And that a part of that is to repent. And Bert... Um, you and I, I know we could do a show, we could probably do a week on what is meant by repentance, yeah. but uh, John the Baptist, even though this was before Calvary's cross and to this very day, the good news of salvation 
includes the reality, though, you have to turn from sin and turn and put your faith in Jesus. That's repentance. It really is. And I can't help but think about Scripture that we've gone through in Proverbs. There's ways that seem right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Your Mm -hmm. way is not the right way. Your way leads to death. My way, if I choose, well, I've got a right to choose. Well, you may have the right to choose, but it's not the wise thing to choose your way. And and listen to verse 5. And all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sin. Now, listen, John the Baptist had a following. Now, we don't get oh, this yeah, in Mark, did. but in the Gospel of John, uh, John would guess what he would do with those who were following him. He'd say, and I'm putting it in my vernacular, don't follow me, follow him. Uh, he's the lamb that takes away the sin of the world, you know? And so what John was doing, he did have a following. But the following that he had, he pointed them to Christ. Amen. Matter of fact, the, it looks like the majority of, quote, the 12 apostles were first followers of John before they followed Christ. At least some of them were, you know. Isn't that something? Uh, in, in verse 6, I mean, you read about uh, John. I've always pictured him as being just, you know, uh, rough, dark-skinned, you know, Amen. a man's man yeah. who's been out in the wilderness. But he preached. He says, there's one coming after me, of the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. Indeed, I baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. All right, so John the Baptist is pointing people to Jesus. He says, all right, you know, you see there's a movement happening here, but don't look at me. There's one coming after me, the Son of God. But I just think it's very beautiful. Jesus comes to be baptized by John the Baptist. And John the Baptist affirmed Jesus' ministry. Jesus affirms John the Baptist's message and ministry. And the Father, with a voice from heaven, affirms the the ministry of the Son. So clearly, I mean, you've got... From verses 7 to verse 12, I mean, you have got clearly the starting not only of a movement then, but of the greatest movement that the world would ever see. The, the Son of God, Calvary's cross, the birth of the church, and the Great Commission. I mean, all of these things in just five verses, the trajectory of world history is laid out. That's Mark. He, he doesn't waste any time. Verse 10, you get the first time he uses the word immediately coming up, and he's going to keep on using it. And so we're going to immediately come back right after this break with more of the Gospel of Mark. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, That sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Dr. Tony Evans says just like in marriage, faith often fades away when relationship gives way to routine. But the Bible gives us a recipe for restoration, and we'll hear about it today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Married people know what this is like to get married out of a relationship but see the marriage become a program. Now you go to work, it's a program. You cook and clean, it's a program. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. Whenever the program overshadows the person, you wind up with an institution and not a relationship. And you and I must watch out for institutionalized Christianity, where we're doing the stuff that we ought to do because we ought to do it. Now, you still ought to do it, but what should drive you to do it is a relationship. 
That's why I often say to dating couples or to couples who plan to get married, don't date to marry, marry to date. Because what most couples do is they date to get married, then the dating stops after they're married and they wonder why boredom sets in the relationship because they lost sight of why they got married in the first place. They got married out of a relationship. In the Bible, the Bible knows nothing of dating to get married. That's a foreign American concept. In the Bible, you got married to date. Many people in the Bible got married the first day they met, but they spent the rest of their lives dating. Married to date, then to date to marry, because then you wind up with an institution and a program rather than focusing on a relationship. And if you spend more time focusing on following Christ and less time on how everybody else is doing, all of us would get further in our Christian lives. Learn how to breathe new life into all of your relationships by developing a closer connection to the Lord. Check out Tony's CD series, Pursuing Christ, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. We believe in the Holy Spirit and He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bird here. So glad you're listening. You know, Bird, I, I didn't mention it to you when you and I were talking earlier today, but I have got a stack of mail from dear listeners, inmates, listeners all around the, the country, uh, people just saying very kind things about exploring the Word, and we appreciate that. Maybe this week I'm going to read some of these and show some on the video of just some precious letters we've gotten. But we like, and frankly, we appreciate listener testimonies. And with share coming up, we want to ask people to call in, if you would, call in and Look, you don't have to be long. You don't have to feel like you got to be articulate or anything. But just tell what American Family Radio Network means to you if you would call in. And, Bert, have you got that number? Can I sure do. Number? Hey, yeah. that number is 877-876-8893. Now, this is the listener story uh, line that you need to call. Uh, one or two minutes is what they ask for. Tell what Christ has done for you. It is 877-876-8893. And uh, we sure could use them. That's my favorite part of share I, I love to hear what God has done through the ministry of American Family Radio because it's God that does it. American Family Radio doesn't change anyone. God does the changing. We're an instrument used of God to bring it about, Alex. Amen. Well, and there's all this good programming all day long, you know, but if exploring the word is your favorite, we appreciate that too. Yes, we uh, do. Well, that, that's <laughs> but, a little biased on our part, but we sure do. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But call in and record one of those listener testimonies, and that would be a great blessing. We appreciate that because we honestly, folks, we are just excited about what God is doing. And like I said, I've, I'm staring right now at a stack of papers, and I'm going to maybe this week I'll share some of these. Of uh, Bert, here, here's the bottom line. People are getting into the Word of God. They're reading the Bible, and they're just rediscovering the rich promises of Jesus. And as they're getting into the Bible, they're getting close to the Lord. And that's what it'll do. That's why we're saying study the Bible, because uh, the Bible will bring you closer and closer and closer to Jesus, won't it? It really will. And I, I think he used it last week. I, saw, I don't know who the first person was that said it. This book will keep you from sin, or this sin, or your sin will keep you from this book. And uh, saturate yourself in the Word of God. The Holy Spirit using the Word of God is a powerful tool for the sins of commission and also the sins of omission. Those things you need to do, those things you don't need to do. The Word of God with the Holy Spirit and a willing uh, follower of Christ. Wow. It really, yeah. it really does work, Alex. Well, 
So in Mark chapter 1, we've got the baptism of Jesus, and uh, the Spirit uh, came down uh, straightway coming up out of the water. Jesus saw the heavens open, and the Spirit of God, like a dove, descended on him. Verse 11, there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. All right, so much is going on here, and just in a couple of verses, you've got the 40-day temptation of Christ in the wilderness, and Jesus comes back, John's been put in prison, and Jesus calls his disciples. Now, Bert, the other Gospels, they really elaborate. I mean, in three verses, Mark does what other Gospel writers would do in three chapters. (laughs) Yeah, I, I find that amazing, but again, it goes with the whole... That doesn't change all the way through the gospel of, of Mark. Uh, when it comes to the teachings of Jesus, uh, you'll find more elaborate in Matthew than you do Mark. But Mark yeah. covers it. Mark covers these things, but he doesn't give the details that most of the time Luke and Matthew cover. And so, yeah. and like you said earlier, you know, you say you that are young believers read the book of Mark. Well, it's easier to go through. I started reading it today, and I said, well, I want to read most of Mark. I read through the first six chapters, and it was, you know, quickly done. But it holds your attention because it moves along quickly, Alex. Well, Bert, I just thought of a word, and here's the word. This will sum it up, and we'll move on. The word survey. If, If you've ever been in college, there are what are called survey courses that are like an introduction. I remember I had, um, at Liberty, everybody had to take it, everybody, Old Testament survey and New Testament survey. We did it at Blue Mountain College as well, yeah. Exactly. But then I would do book studies, Genesis, Romans, Daniel, Revelation, Acts. And, I mean, you could take an entire semester and, I mean, drill down deeply. But I had a semester-long course on the book of Jude which is one of the very shortest New Testament books. And in a way, um, might it be said that Mark is a survey of the life of Christ, yeah. whereas Matthew or Luke is like the semester-long uh, deep dive? You that, know what would I'm be, that would be appropriate. He's looking down from a, a you know, perspective higher up, and he, therefore less detail, and that's the whole idea. Now, verse okay. 14 starts it with that after he is driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Now, people want to talk about that drove him in the wilderness. Listen, the Spirit of God led him to the place where he was. I could not help but notice this, Alex. The Spirit of the Lord descended as a dove in verse 10, and then that same Spirit took him to the wilderness, led him to the wilderness in verse 12. The Spirit of God doing his work with Jesus. It's not necessarily in Christ. It's with Christ, more so with with him. And he was there in the wilderness those 40 days, tempted, and the angels ministered to him. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to stop there, and you, you come in. Notice what John the Baptist preached. He preached the baptism of repentance and now Jesus comes and preaches the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's the complete, okay? You have John the Baptist, the forerunner, preparing the way, and Jesus comes and preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Alex, uh, isn't God amazing how he completes it? He doesn't leave it halfway. He completes it. Just like you have the Old Testament, then he comes and gives the New Testament. You have that, but then you have the Holy Spirit of God staying with the church and leading us and guiding us through this period of time uh, of of what we call the last days or the church age or the age of grace, whatever you'd want to classify that. God completes his task, doesn't he? Well, he really does. And, you know, we've talked about this. This is one of the unique, unique things about Jesus. I mean, there was so much we could say virgin-born, sinless life rose from the dead. Jesus is unique. But, Bert, more than a few scholars have acknowledged that one of the things that makes Jesus absolutely different from any other religious teacher in history is his preaching about the kingdom of God. I mean, there, there have been plenty of religious leaders that said, you know, do this, don't do that. Here's the rituals, 
do these things and maybe you can atone for your guilt or something. Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. Uh, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And again, this is another topic that we could go at length on, the message of the kingdom of God, how to get in, how to know that you're a subject of the king, and how ultimately the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. This teaching of the kingdom and the principles of God's kingdom absolutely unique. But in verse 15, Jesus says, as he's preaching, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said to them, come ye after me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. There's a lot here. Uh, By the way, um, Jesus said the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Believe the gospel. Do you remember in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus read the scripture in the synagogue and he said, uh, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor? Well, it's happening, isn't it? <laughs> it really is, and it is starting, and notice where he is. He's by the Sea of Galilee. This is where the most of the ministry took place, on either side. Now, Alex, you've been to the Holy Land, and you've been on either side of the Sea of Galilee, and many yeah. times here in the first few chapters of Mark, you'll see Jesus going from one side to the other side in the boat. And But again, these men are there these men have already met Jesus Christ. Uh, you know that from the Gospel of John. Now, here it is again, Mark taking a, a just snippet of the calling of Simon and Andrew. But it's still real. John gives you more details. But notice it says, come after me. I love that, come. You remember when uh, uh, Noah had finished the ark and before God shut the door, guess what he says? Come in. He doesn't say go in. He says come in. Jesus is desiring us to come with him. I'm with you always, the Holy Spirit in us. And, And so that is so awesome. You see this partnership, this companionship, this relationship. Everything you'll see here is built on a relationship with Jesus Christ, Alex. Well, it really is. And uh, you you rein me in if I spiritualize too much here, Bert. But, you know, Jesus, it says in verse uh, 16 that he is there around Galilee. And you're right, he was on either side. And I so I, I don't want to spiritualize too much, but very often in the Bible, the sea or the water represents humanity. And uh, in Revelation 13, a beast arose out of the sea. Jesus, in Matthew 14, walked on the sea. Now walking over something represents authority. Do you remember when God gave God promised Abraham the the fertile crescent and Abraham walked and and it says everywhere your foot treads I'm going to give you that. Walking over something represents authority and ownership. Jesus walked on the sea. And being all around the sea and if the sea represents the human race and very often it does. Bert, isn't it fair to say And again, forgive me if I'm allegorizing or symbolizing too much. Jesus is authority over the entire human race. Now, some believe, some reject, but every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this gospel is for whosoever will may come. Alex, you are right on. Amen. Let me just say this. Remember where you're at. You're talking. I could not resist doing that. You're talking about him having authority. Look yeah. what takes place in verses 21 through 28, power over the demons. You look mm. at what happens in this same chapter in 40 through 45. It's his power over diseases. And then you look back in chapter 4, it's power over nature when he steals the water. And then he raises Jairus' daughter. It's power over life and death. That's mm. what you're just talking about, the authority Amen. of Jesus Christ is in authority over these things. Him walking on that water, Alex, you're right on. That's not spiritualizing. That is taking the truth 
of who Jesus is in authority and power, brother. Bert, is it fair to say Jesus is Lord? <laughs> Amen. That Can I say something? That That is an understatement. Amen. <laughs> if, if when you think about Lord, he's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus Amen. Christ is that. And, and I, I'm, I've, just tell you, I'm just thrilled to be sharing that, that Jesus Amen. Christ is what you need today. Those of you that are listening, you, you say, I've got troubles. You need Christ. You say, Amen. man, I'm under the load. You need Jesus. You Amen. need Jesus Christ. Whatever condition you're in, you need Jesus as Lord of your life, Alex. That's that's it, that's it, the message we give, isn't it? It is. I want to say, if you think you're alone and you really don't have a friend in the world. Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Isn't that something? Amen. Jesus will never fail you. Jesus will never forsake you. Jesus will hear your prayer. Jesus will forgive you. He will heal you. He will restore you. And you, you might feel like your, your best days are behind you. That's false. No, Jesus will come to you right now as you are, where you are. You put your life in the hands of Christ and your future can be greater than anything you had in your past. And that's the beautiful thing about it. And see, we want everybody to know Jesus. And everybody can know Jesus if you will open your heart and trust in him. Alex, uh, before we get into verse 21, we got about a minute and a half. Let's just stick to these four guys that Mark covers him calling. He, he Simon and Andrew. Uh, here's mm-hmm. these four main guys. Let's, let me tell you, they, uh, especially those, but Andrew's there too. He's always bringing somebody to Jesus. But in mm-hmm. verse 20, immediately he called them, talking about James and John, the sons yeah. of Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Now, you know, Zebedee had already had this plan. Zebedee and sons. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> you think that's, that's exactly true? what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> and, well, and, you know, no doubt the preaching of John the Baptist uh, probably was talked about. And here's Jesus. And he says, all right, in verse 15, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom is at hand. Repent, believe. Really, four steps. And they knew. Simon, Andrew, James, and John, they knew and the 12 disciples, the band of disciples, was being started, wasn't it? They really are. And he's not through yet. He's going to call somebody named Levi, who has another name called Matthew, and he's going to throw a party for them, and a lot of folks are going to get saved. This is Mark. You don't want to miss it. I, I'm not joking. You can tell Alex and I are excited about it. We hope you are. And I hope you're excited enough to give us a call, a Bible question at 888 888- When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Hi, this is Pastor Robert Morris. I'm often asked, how do I grow in my relationship with the Lord? How do I hear God? What is God's plan and purpose for me? I want to personally invite you to join me on Sunday mornings right here on AFR for worship and the Word, and we will discover the answer to these questions together. We'll explore the truths found in God's Word that will help you strengthen your faith and develop a more intimate relationship with Him. Let's be real. Retirement is expensive, and inflation is making it even harder with the cost of everything going up from pet food to a dozen eggs. Wouldn't it be great? if the cost of your health care could go down. Well, MediShare 65 Plus is $99 a month for ages 65 to 74. And for many with Medicare Parts A and B, looking at other options, that's 50% or more saved per month. No gimmicks. It's $99 a month, and you can use any Medicare-approved doctor or facility, and you get 24-7 access to telehealth from the convenience of your home. Better yet, 
MediShare is a Christian nonprofit organization. It's a community that'll pray for you and encourage you. And since we've cut out the middleman, you get to keep the savings. Call now. You can learn more about MediShare 65+. Here's the number, 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE, 833-45-BIBLE. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Gallup has released an extensive social survey showing the ultimate sexual perversion groomer's goal. According to the survey, Gen Z adults, those born between 1997 and 2004, have embraced alternative lifestyles more readily than any other demographic, double the rate of millennials, and seven times more than the baby boomer generation. That is not merely a casual occurrence. It's the objective. This is the aim of drag queen story hours and sexualizing children at schools. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You got pain, he's a This is what exploring the word well, is about. That's nearly like a theme song for us, Alex. We uh, we want yes. people that are hurting, that feel alone, that can't come out of it. Uh, get Jesus Christ. He is the chain breaker. He is he's the pain taker. He is the answer. So we praise the Lord for that. Alex, the phone lines have rung up while we were taking that break. Are you ready to go to the phone lines? I believe so. And by the way, the number, folks, is 888-589-8840. If you've got a question on Exploring the Word, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, we've got Tyler in Kentucky. And Tyler, am I correct? Are you a first-time caller? Yes, that's right. Yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you for listening, and thank you for calling. We're glad to hear from you. Uh, good, good to finally be able to call in. Well, you have okay. a question well, for what us, you brother. Got, Tyler? Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, me and my wife have really dove feet first into religion here in the last several months, and uh, we had just a, a kind of a, a beginner silly question, I guess you could call it. But what is the discernment? And when it says that thou shall have no graven image, I've heard several preachers say that any representation of Jesus is a is a graven image, and we were wondering how that pertains to like our children's activity books as we were trying to give them as much information as possible but didn't know where the the line stopped between being okay or what constitutes the actual graven image fantastic question tyler and we praise god for what you're doing uh get all the way in don't come halfway in get all in with christ if you look at that that's in exodus chapter 20 and the first verse four talks about no graven image But in verse 5, it kind of completes that to let you know that what your children doing is not exactly what God's saying don't do. He says, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. Alex, that's not the purpose of those, nor is it doing that when they have these, uh, you know, Jesus, like washing someone's feet, and you have that, and a child connects the dots or colors that to let them know what Jesus did. Is that, would you say it that way as well? Yeah, you know, the prohibition against idols in Exodus 24 through 6 says, don't make any graven image, and the word really means carved image, like a statue or something like that. So uh, when people lovingly, reverently have tried to paint a picture of Jesus um, not to bow down and pray to some object, but just to make a representation. Bert, I, I don't think at all that that violates um, the Exodus 20 prohibition. No, it does uh, not. Like, there was a famous, one of my favorite artists, Warner Salman, S-A-L-M-A-N, <laughs> in the mid-20th century, Warner Salman 
painted some of the most beloved, so reverently done portraits of Jesus. And I don't think he was creating idols at all, but I think he was trying to bring the, the Gospels to life. Oh, yeah. And so I, I don't think that um, the prohibition against idols means that we couldn't reverently have a, a, a picture of Christ, or, or even I've seen ceramic statues, or what about a manger scene? Bert, I'm going to tell you, I own probably a dozen ma- nativity scenes. <laughs> yeah, it goes. You know, yeah. I, I know how I you love, love Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Hey, for you go, That's Tyler. That's not an idol, is it? It is not. Tyler, I heard you were baptized yesterday. Is that right? Yes, sir, it was. Well, praise the Lord, Lord, brother. Amen. <laughs> Well, listen, we want to pray for you. We really do. We uh, Listen, let this, don't lose your first love. Alex and I can sense that in you. You want to do it God's way. And Alex, let's just pray for Tyler and for his family. And even, I got a feeling there were a lot of people that were baptized all over the United States yesterday and uh, because they've come to Christ and now they're becoming his disciples. Uh that's exciting, and listening to AFR and exploring the Word even makes it great. Uh, Alex, would you pray for Amen. Tyler and others? Let's do that. Dear Lord Jesus, we rejoice. We give you the praise. Tyler has put his faith in you. He's been baptized. He's uh, walking with you. He and his wife are raising their family in the ways of the Lord, and we just praise you for that. Lord, keep your hand upon their life and guide them, give them joy. Father God, draw them closer to each other and closer to you. And Lord, we hear the the movement of your spirit stirring all around our country, Lord, and we just ask for more, more, more. Bring millions, millions, just like Tyler, into a walk with Christ, and Lord, may we all of us, afresh and anew, just fall in love with you all over again every day. And Lord, send a great revival as we know you're beginning to do and call America back to you. And it's in Jesus' name we ask it, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tyler. Where to next, Alex? Well, we're going to go to Georgia. Sandra in Georgia. Sandra, thank you for holding and welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, hello there. Good to have you today. Good to have you. Hey, I have a question. Um, I was reading last night in Deuteronomy 4, and Moses is talking to the people, and in verses 3 and 4, he says to the people, you saw with your own eyes what the Lord did, um, um, where he destroyed people who follow Baal, but all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. I didn't think that they were. I thought they were just about to go across into the promised land, and all those people would have been died in the wilderness, right? Okay, good question, good catch. Let me say, 20 years and older, generation died out, but those at 20 and younger, Alex, I think they could remember all that, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot did die in the wilderness. Uh, they fell in the wilderness, as they said. But there were those younger than that that uh, grew up, and that's just part of the miracle journey that God sustained their life, and they were able to go over into the promised land. So this is one of those things, Sandra, like Bert alluded to, you, you just got to consider all the details. So not everybody died. There were some. They had grown up, and they were able to go into the promised land. And, and Sandra, this was the second law giving good comment. This was years later, and now they were adult. Now it was their turn to step up like their forefathers should have and did not and turn back at Kadesh Barnea. They did not turn back. What a great generation. We heard about the World War II, the greatest generation. Alex, this was a great generation as well, going in and occupying the land. Amen. Amen. Sandra, thank you for listening. Uh, Jack in Texas. Jack, you are on Exploring the Word. Thank you, Brother Bird. I appreciate it. Uh, out here on the big road driving a truck and just listening to you and, uh, or I'm sorry, Alex, listening to you and, and Bert and uh, just called to pray over you and give thanks for you. You bring me encouragement every day that I listen to you and uh, got the app. So wherever I'm at across the country, I can I can hear you. 
Amen, Jack. So, uh, well, Jack, amen. first of all, thank you for listening and praying for us, and thank you for serving our country by driving, like you say, over the big roads. I know we have a lot of truckers, and let me tell you, folks, every last one of us, we depend on the truckers, don't we, Bert? We really do. So, Jack, if you want to lead us in prayer, go ahead, brother. We, Alex and I, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you, man. Thank you. Go ahead. Amen. Thank you, brother. Heavenly Father, I come here with these two brothers and just give you thanks for them and the knowledge that they give on a daily basis to those that uh, believe and those that might be lost or struggling. God, I give you thanks for that. I just pray you just continue to instill the words and the thoughts in their minds that you want them to say to bring hope to others, to lead them to the cross, to lead them to salvation. God, I pray over their ministry right now. I pray over their families. You would guide them and protect them to give them the wisdom that they need on a daily basis to move forward to bring you glory, dear Lord. I lift up the previous caller there, Tyler. Just give you thanks for the calling you placed on his heart to make that uh, proclaim that he's given his, his life to you. I just pray over him right now and his family and the relationship that he has that uh, you just Got him and protect him, give him the wisdom that he needs and times that he draws near to know that Christ is interceding for him. I just pray against any deceitfulness, any false teaching that should come near him, God. I just pray against it. I pray that he would Amen. look to Scripture on anything he's told, dear God, that he would back it up with Scripture. Amen. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, Jack. Amen. I, whew, amen. amen. I was wow. worshiping Thank the Lord you, with you, brother. Amen. Go ahead, Alex. God is so good. Thank you so much. Well, also in Texas, Marianne, also in Texas, welcome. Hi. So there's a lot of theologians that have different opinions about the rapture and regarding children. And so I was wondering what your view is on that, what both your views are on that, and then what scriptures y'all use to back it up. And just to piggy on that, piggyback on it, and this is going to seem silly to some people, but I would love to know what you think about what happened to our pets, that some of us are in a season in life that they're our next generation of fur babies. So, Okay, Alex, you you got <laughs> one of those fur babies. You go ahead. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was on a show last week, and there was myself and two other scholars, and we were all talking about our dogs, how much we love our dogs. And this caller called in and said, will there be animals in heaven? And in unison, all three of us said, yes. <laughs> now, to the age of our, our, I mean, to the status of our pets, before I speak to that, I mean, I'm open to the idea. And, and believe me, believe me, I know there are a lot of people that would scoff and say, oh, give me a break. Animals don't have souls. Well, animals don't need souls to go to heaven or to be in heaven because they are they are aware, but they're not guilty of sin. Uh, I'm going to say we know there'll be at least lions, lambs, horses, and snakes in the peaceable kingdom. Yep. Now, will they will they be our pets? I don't know about that. But about children in the rapture, Bert, the Bible talks about um, what we we came to call the age of accountability, right? the age where we know our responsibility before God and the age that, um, you know, we, we understand right from wrong. I think about this. In uh, Luke chapter 2, Jesus' parents took him to the temple, and it means that, you know, at, in that culture, 12 was when a boy was expected to understand and affirm the, the reality of God, and he was viewed as a man. But... Bert, the Bible doesn't put a specific date on the age of accountability. All that to say this, um, when the rapture comes, and I, I do believe in the rapture, children will be taken up. They'll, they'll be, they're not going to be left behind. So mom and dad, you don't need to worry that if you are caught up to heaven, your children will be left to languish alone on the earth. I think that those that are too young to know to make a decision for Christ in the grace of God, they'll they'll be in heaven with their parents. Is what I believe from the scriptures, Bert. I could not add to what you said. I believe it as well, Harold. We're probably not going to get to your question, but let me answer this one real quick. Thank you, Marianne. 
Harold asked, is the same mark that Paul and Barnabas had the dispute about, is that the same one? Yes, it is. It's the same guy. And if you remember what Paul said to Timothy, bring John Mark with you. He's profitable for me. And Barnabas lived up to his name of son of encouragement and got John Mark back on track. And look what a gift he was to us. So, Harold, hope you're listening to that. I, I just wanted to get yours in because we weren't going to get her, he, and Bonnie in, Alex. Yes. Um, do, we, do we have time for another we, call? Let's go Bert. to Bonnie. Yeah, let's go to Bonnie. Yeah, let, let's do. Bonnie, welcome. Thank you for holding and welcome to Explore Hi. the Word. Thank you so much for taking Hi, my call. I listen to, to you guys every day on my way home from school. Um, my quick question, my husband is a Jehovah Witness, and they believe that uh, Jesus is Michael the Archangel, and I just wanted to get some guidelines on Scripture to take him to to refute that, because I know it's not biblically sound doctrine. Bonnie, thank you for calling. We need to pray for you. Listen, the Gospel of John, the whole Gospel of John, but especially the first chapter, Alex, and I'd even say the last chapter, but go ahead. Well, you know, let me let me say clearly Michael is Michael and Jesus is Jesus. I mean, there is no way you can read the Bible and possibly get that Jesus is Michael. But the only reason that the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society says that is because they came to the table with this presupposition that Jesus is not God incarnate. So one of the things that I would say is try to help your husband or whomever, understand that, first of all, uh, Charles T. Russell, who founded what we call the Jehovah's Witness, Charles Taze Russell, founded the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society in the 19th century. Um, The Watchtower Bible and Tract Society has been notoriously wrong. Uh, um, About five, six times they incorrectly predicted the end of the world in 1925, in 1964, 1975, 1984, and besides that, their New World Translation. It, listen, even non-Christian scholars acknowledge that the New World Translation absolutely destroys the text of Scripture, not because they know how to translate Hebrew and Greek, but they have an agenda to deny Jesus, the Son of God, and so uh, we are praying, and I just hope that rather than the false, twisted message of a repeatedly refuted cult, I pray that your husband will believe the true gospel of God incarnate who rose from the dead after having paid our sins on the cross. It's through faith in Jesus alone that we're saved, isn't it, It Bert? is only through Christ. And I'll, let me just tell you, the Word of God, <clears throat> the Bible is the Word of God whether someone believes it or not. So using the Word of God quickly and powerful, not as a hammer, but just as a sword that cuts through, that Jesus is God. You can see that, and it speaks loudly, and so you're standing on solid ground, Bonnie. Thank you for calling. We're going to pray for Bonnie's husband that he would come to the truth of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to For Exploring the Word, and we'll be back with more of Mark tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.